Hello everyone, this is part two of the panel we did on the Lawrence Krauss situation. So if you haven't heard part one yet, I recommend you go back and check that out first. I'll link it in the notes. Here's part two. Make sure that uh, that program doesn't contain controversial subjects and uh, you're not impolite to people. No, definitely not, Dad. You know me. I'm never, <laughs> ever controversial or yeah, impolite. Yeah, yeah, okay. Welcome to Conversations with your lovable, never pisses anyone off, ex-Muslim host, Ina. Keeping it non-controversial. And the refusal to listen or to take any complaints seriously, you know, even among the supposedly reasonable ones who will say, well, yeah, I mean, this isn't good or anything, but all these, all these outrage brigaders are coming with all this raw It's a very fence-sitting, not really saying anything like Seth Andrews. I don't follow him or know him that much, but what I saw... From his posts about the whole Sargon, MythCon incident seemed to place the blame on him and also the people who complained about Sargon and this Kraus thing was, well, if this is true, this is bad. But, you know, there were talking about anti-Muslim bigotry, which I don't think is a problem. And I offered I offered to have a detailed conversation with Seth, even off air if he wanted to, and provide specific examples i mean i watch this stuff pretty carefully but he's not he wasn't he wasn't interested i mean he hasn't said he wasn't interested because that would be committing to something so he just (laughs) he just ignored my multiple requests and said well i should send a link or something so he can read my position and i should type it all up or send him what i've written so that he can just ignore it. I mean, no, I want to have this conversation in real time. If you think there's no anti-Muslim bigotry in the movement, I'd like to convince you otherwise. I'm not just going to send you a link and let you ignore it. I'd like to see where our differences lie. And nobody wants to have these conversations. It's so frustrating. Well, you know, these are the people who are always constantly accusing the left of wanting to shut down up. Position. You know, oh my God, the thought police, they mm. can't handle disagreement. Anybody who has a different idea, they just shut them down and walk away. Well, what did Seth do? No, I won't have that conversation. No, with no, you, he did Ina. not say Send that. He link. did not say that. Right. He did not well, say he, he would said, not. <laughs> just, he didn't say he wouldn't have a conversation. He said, send me a link. That's all I need. That, Thanks. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So he, he demurred and refused to, uh, refuse to actually acknowledge repeated requests for a conversation. And then we have Matt Dillahunty, who compares women sharing their stories of sexual harassment with people telling ghost stories. That was just... Because, and and thinking that that was was a really good thing. What I'm saying is that I'm really open to listening to people. I think they really believe their experience. Well, okay. Anybody who has seen a ghost has not seen a ghost. But I was sexually harassed. I don't need you to tell me whether I was or wasn't sexually harassed. I know what happened to me. So it was just a horrible comparison. And when that was pointed out to him that this was kind of insensitive, it wasn't, you know, are you sure this is what you meant to say? He said, I'm done here. I'm not going to have this conversation. I'm done. And he walked away. He said something like, you know, I believe I I'll even believe he said, and he's trying to make a big thing out about it. It wasn't a comparison. It was meant to be like, that's, uh, that's the, the other end of the spectrum. Like I'll even believe people when they talk about ghosts and it's just, it's amazing how much time and energy, uh, you know, I previously would have said that Matt and I are, are, at least acquaintances, but it's like, I, I'm just appalled at how much time and energy Matt has had to be the victim in this mm-hmm. and no time and energy to actually care about the victims. I mean, he still was responding to, to tweets on this thread. Like I gave up cause I was like, all right, this is, I, I essentially gave up because I thought, you know, I didn't say it cause I didn't want to pick a fight, but I thought he better go work on his statement that seems to be taking so long. Mm-hmm. So I thought I didn't want to take up <laughs> more of his time cause I know he, he has to work on a reasonable response 
but we still haven't had that. It's been weeks now, what, a couple weeks almost? Oh, yes. had that. We've had plenty of time for him to be a victim. And I just find it, I, I find it really crappy. I find, I find it just disappointing, really disappointing. Well, and he couldn't stop talking about how his boundaries were violated when he got an unsolicited text message from a reporter. And that was just an egregious violation of his personal boundaries. And he couldn't believe anybody would dare have so little respect for him that they would violate his boundaries. And those were his words, violate his boundaries by sending him an unsolicited text message. Yeah, it just seems very... It's very disappointing to see the responses all around. I mean, there have been a couple of good responses. I think Hemant from Friendly Atheist, he's been pretty good on this. And yes, he, he was pretty good. We've talked about the pressure that's out there as far as um, possible lawsuits. But what we haven't talked about is how bad the atheist community as a whole is and how they will attack you. Yeah, I mean, we've all had this happen. We've all been attacked by this community. Yes, you know, viciously. Yes. Me as a woman uh, from Saudi Arabia, being told by a whole horde that I have not been oppressed enough in Saudi Arabia, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is unreal coming from the anti SJW, anti oppression Olympics people who want to take women from Saudi Arabia so seriously until it's someone that is too left-leaning, then they have not sufficiently been oppressed. And uh, Thomas had that whole, you can explain, Thomas? Well, I was going to mention something else, which is, uh, yeah, I've had a number of exchanges on Twitter on this just for, you know. And and by the way, I I was on purpose really delicate at first about the Dill Honey thing. I said, maybe don't lead off a conversation by comparing it to ghost stories. I, and I really did. I, I said it like, Oh, a, you were so nice. You were, I mean, so you nice. were, you were really very, I was surprised um, by, by how terrible. bad the reaction was. But when it comes to this issue, I have uh, one, one instance that comes to mind that I think will be a good microcosm for what I think the larger response will end up being. I, I'm going to make a prediction. Um, but I had one interaction that was someone giving me a bunch of shit about you. You're tweeting rumors, unsubstantiated claims, rumors, unnamed accusations. And then I did what I've done a few times in this, which is I tagged Michael Marshall. And I said, oh, really? Because Michael Marshall was named and he saw it. And then Michael Marshall, being the awesome guy that he is, tags in right away. said, yep, I was there. I saw it 10 feet away. Krauss groped a woman. I saw it. And then you mysteriously, you don't hear back. You know, <laughs> there's, never, there's never there's never the appropriate response, which should be. Holy shit, I just was arguing in favor of a sexual abuser. I'm sorry. Boy, I I, I really should reconsider things in life. It's no. no. Oh, okay. Ugh. Silence. You know, yes. like, okay, asshole. I guess you're right. You know, like, <laughs> I predict this is what's going to happen with Sam Harris. And in some ways, it's it's even more frustrating because we saw in his eighth point, which was a surprise to me here, that he said he's finally, as I said, heard from the credible sources and uh, he's heard enough to believe that the man has a serious problem. So he's he's it, this um, Kraus, and if you've ever been around Kraus, which I have very briefly, you knew this was true. I mean, he he has a very obvious problem. And uh, what frustrates me about this is he will have spent Sam Harris will have spent the the vital fifteen minutes. I know it's that's not all the video, but the vital minutes in reaction to this, when everyone was paying attention, when all eyes were on him for this event, he will have spent that entire time undermining, 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 making excuses, making uh, uh, deflections, all that stuff. He, he will then have played the victim as Matt did and Sam did, played the victim in this whole thing. And then in the end, guess what? Everyone was fucking right because it was obvious and there were plenty of sources. And it will still be, even if he, as he said, has no plans to work with him again in the future, we still will have been wrong in his mind the whole time. And uh, yeah. but, but it was just because but we were all so, mean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were all too mean. Despite the people who have been making excuses for a sexual abuser, again, the problem is those who would dare demand a better statement. Oh, yeah. it's well, and I think to the I, I've said this to some other people. You know, people say, well, you know, they're these men aren't more likely to sexually harass women just because they're atheists. And I've said, no, I, I don't think that I, I suspect there isn't a higher percentage of sexual harassers among atheists than there 
are among any other group. No, I don't think so. But we should have a higher percentage of people who believe victims. Uh, I wish. Because, because, uh, it just, just based on what was in the BuzzFeed article, it doesn't pass the sniff test that all of those accusations are either incorrect, fabricated, or otherwise false. It just doesn't pass the sniff test. You got two educational institutions that say he's not welcome anymore because we found enough evidence of him sexually harassing people that he's not worth the trouble. We have um, conferences who say, yes, women filed complaints about his behavior. We have eyewitnesses who say, I saw him grope that woman. We have other witnesses who say, I didn't saw it, but she told me about it. She was really upset about it. Well, so Thomas, well, it just the the preponderance of evidence is so extreme that to say that it's still somehow all a coincidence and he really is innocent and he never did any of those things. That's not rational. That is not logical. If you are so skeptical, then you would immediately read that article and say, he probably did at least some of this. There's nothing skeptical about walking into that and saying, I just don't know what to think. No, you do know what to think. You just don't want to think it. Well, this happens a lot. So with Jerry Coyne, he wrote a blog about uh, about a short mini podcast that I had released about talking about Islam in the era of Trump. And I had given examples like Rubin and Gadsad and how probably associating with those people is not a good idea. They're not credible sources since they, uh, you know, promote white genociders on their shows. And he wrote that I'm too harsh on Gad and Rubin, and they do not promote white genociders on their shows. So when I read that, I mean, that's just, that's so false, because I gave specific examples of who the people are that they promote that are white genociders within the same audio recording that he obviously listened to and blogged about. So I politely approached him and said, well, no, that's not true. Others politely approached him, gave him visual examples of the people that they associate with that are talking about white genocide all the time. And he just refused to hear it. He refused to talk to me. I asked him to have a conversation. He refused to do that. He refused to change the blog post after seeing more evidence. It's just like he stuck his fingers in his ears and went la 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 like I don't hear it. It was the strangest thing. There is in a in the new atheism and I think it's part of it being the uh, what it the atheism thing is that there is an almost endemic no accountability clause in there or, or something like, well, if you catch it, I'm not really a leader. Atheism isn't really anything to to move it on. This isn't this. And it's like, you've just spent 15 years of your life building a movement. You're going to tell me you're, it doesn't count anymore because now you had to take responsibility for something. You know, you have to have some accountability. I mean, I I feel like if you're in this movement, you should feel an accountability to some of the other people in this movement, like the women. Well, yeah, I mean, I used to consider Jerry Coyne a friend. And because of another blog post that he wrote uh, where he quoted me saying something about Gadsad associating with the far right, that made Gadsad so angry that he went on a five-day meltdown about me, tagging me, calling me names, calling me the queen of anti-Semites for some fucking reason. There was no... No reason other than I criticize Gad and Gad is Jewish. And um, that guy's fucking nuts. He really is. Now, Jerry was tagged into a lot of these posts. He preferred to stay out of it. Fine. You know, he associates with Gad and he also associates with me. He wanted to say nothing, but it was his blog post that caused this whole attack on me for days and days and days and days. Now, I put out a evidence-based podcasts citing who they associate with that are these white genocide conspiracists. Mm. That he felt he had to blog about and say that I was too harsh on Gad and Ruben. But Gad going after me for days and days and days, that there was nothing said 
And even after ev multiple evidence was pro provided to Jerry, he did not want to correct his blog post or have a conversation about it. And now he's like, you know, expressing sympathy for Milo, even after his, you know, pedophilia scandal. He's joined the, hmm, maybe Jerry Sandusky isn't guilty after all club. And then there's Shermer, who's also posting stuff about Jerry Sandusky on his publication and giving Milo books glowing reviews. So there is a very bad attitude towards sex and sexual harassment, I think, in the movement overall. And that's yeah, not something that sure. BuzzFeed got wrong. I think BuzzFeed might have been rude and mean maybe about the movement, and that upset a lot of people. But the the movement and big-name skeptics have to own up to the fact that there's some sort of systemic issue going on with bigotry as well, not just sexism. What, what BuzzFeed said was right about the atheist movement. The atheist movement does mm -hmm. have a problem with misogyny and racism. And, you know, Seth Andrews, who was having kittens over the very mm -hmm. idea that anybody would suggest that th there is anything to see here. And, you know, he wants to sweep everything under the rug. Well, he kept um, saying, oh, but it might be random his, atheist bigots. Well, no, it's yeah, not. It's on, not on random. His, on his Facebook page, on his Facebook page, on his totally lame post about Lawrence Krauss, when there are hundreds of comments that are so vile and so sexist and just, I mean, just really, really awful. But the only comments he responds to are any that held him accountable who said, gee, Seth, don't you think the evidence kind of indicates that Krauss might be guilty here? Are you sure you're seeing this clearly? And those are the ones where, or, you know, Seth, I don't think you've spoken out about this enough. And so he's reading those comments, hundreds of comments, and he's reading them because he is selectively replying to anything that, that even gently criticizes him. But these, you know, tons and tons of comments saying that Krauss probably did all of these things. And the only reason it bothered these women is because he's ugly. I've Jeez. seen a lot of that. A lot mm. of, you know, the, somebody said something about it's been heartbreaking to discover that there really is no atheist sexual utopia. You know, we got oh, rid of yes, religion. Like, like the whole reason of leaving religion is because you can fuck any woman that you want. And when it turns out that that didn't work, now you're pissed off because that, that atheism didn't turn out to be, uh, you know, choose the woman you want off the menu and you can have her anytime, anywhere, any place, whether she consents or not. There are you know, some so this, terrible there people with of that shit. And he didn't address any of that. But then he wants to tell me that, that there's there's no problem with misogyny in the movement. I've had more than one man, atheist man, tell me that unless unless you can convict a man of sexual harassment in a court of law, there should be no social consequences. Sexual harassment isn't a crime. It's actually not a crime. telling people that. Exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's so frustrating. Unless, unless, that, unless that accusation can stand up in a court of law. No, there shouldn't be any accusations because you can't really prove it. So why should he suffer consequences for something that can't be proved? Was it? And this is the attitude. And, and they let this, sh they see this shit, they read it and they let it go. But then they pretend there's no problem. Look at the lineup of MythCon this year. Uh, it's And last year. Uh, oh, this year is way this worse. Year is worse. This year is way worse. Sargon, actually, when Sargon is not the worst person on your marquee, <laughs> you have a serious problem. <laughs> I mean, it's like everything that everything that is happening from you know MythCon to Sam and Jerry Coyne and Matt Dillahunty and Seth Andrews, and they're all telegraphing that women do not matter. We don't care if your experience is different than ours. We don't care if it's intimidating. We don't care if it hurts your feelings. We don't care if it's insulting. It doesn't matter. And you need to just deal with it. They don't care if women feel safe. or They don't care if there are no women in the movement at all. But at the very least, all of the flagship institutions and leaders are have made it very clear 
that women do not matter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if absolutely. that's the message that women are getting, then they don't really have to say the words, right? I feel that if you post a bunch of anti-Me Too articles and uh, you support anti-feminists or support anti-feminism or you're holding conferences where the audience is cheering for someone who said, I wouldn't even rape you to a sexual assault victim, this is... A, this is a very systemic problem. These aren't random atheist bigots. These are organized things that are happening. And, and it's sad that it's become, it's become so meshed with the anti-social justice, anti-feminist movement. And the, the anti-left stuff is causing them to have some very strange bedfellows like Peterson. Peterson, for fuck's sake, a crazy Christian conservative who thinks Sam is Christian because he doesn't go around murdering people. Is that not enough to, like, laugh him out the room? By the way, Peterson himself in a recent talk talked about how he has been accused of sexual impropriety three times in his career. Three times. That's not normal. That doesn't just happen. Mm. And and it's it's odd that Sam is having an event with him. Then there's Shermer also Sam is having an event with, and on the record, there's credible allegations against Shermer that go back, what, six years of uh, Shermer date raped someone. Uh, and uh, I believe those accusations. As do I. I I've read them. Yeah, read from what them. I've read, there seem to be some very concerning accusations. One where he's like pretending to drink and hiding his drink under the table the whole night while the other person's getting drunk. That mm -hmm. seems very disturbing if you're going to go and... And again, it was, you know, it's this whole pattern of behavior. People don't just like, I, I don't know what people are thinking about these kinds of, of people who would rape or who people who would sexually harass, but they're not, they're not well-adjusted individuals and they're not necessarily going to sit around and be the soul of politeness and decorum until, you know, you turn your back on them and then they just rape you and they, and then they go back to behaving like completely normal people. That's not how it works. You know, in many cases, we see people, uh, Louis C.K. making jokes about masturbation quite a lot. Some of them kind of, you know, in retrospect, offensive. And these things come out. They come out in different ways. Yeah, I would never yeah. have imagined that those jokes had any basis in reality. And looking back, it just is horrifying. Yeah. Yeah, but a lot of it is, I mean, it's very, it's the, these men who have patterns of sexual harassment, it's very similar to abuse. The, the pattern is very similar. Um, the, you know, gaining people's trust, the sort of almost living a double life, it's putting one face out to the public and then behind closed doors being something different and there's the gaslighting and there there's a lot of the same kinds of mechanisms at work and one thing people don't understand you know like when they read something about or they hear something about you know the woman whose husband beat her up and they say well why didn't she just leave well he didn't you know or or, or what they say, like a woman will say, well, if he did that to me, I would just leave. Well, no, you probably wouldn't just leave because it's not like you had a perfectly normal, healthy, well-adjusted relationship. And then one day, just out of nowhere, he punched you in the face. That's not how abuse works. Mm -hmm. It's not like, so it's not like Michael Shermer or Lawrence Krauss or these other serial sexual harassers are completely well-adjusted, respect women, and then they just have a, a moment of bad judgment where they grab somebody's leg under the table and then they feel bad about it and they never do it again. Well, yeah, if you're I mean, doing it repeatedly, yeah. They, 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 they've been doing this, you know, so it's like, it's not an aberration. You know, if somebody I is being yeah. accused of, I did this, he did this one time, he's probably been doing it for decades yeah. and getting away with it. I so rarely see any sort of good apology because these people don't, they don't, they don't have that in them. They don't have it in them to be like, oh shit, okay, I got really got to take a look in the mirror. It's always wild denials. By the way, two, two things that uh, we haven't even mentioned about this account that in the BuzzFeed article 
is his defense of Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, in his yes. Own- yes. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. So his defense of Jeffrey Epstein and that we have it on paper that he is lying about the university's response because right. he said right. he was quoted in the article as saying the university dismissed these allegations against me as being completely fabricated, maliciously fabricated, he said. And then the university commented back in the article and said, no, that's not at all what we did. We just didn't have like the firsthand account because we never had the name of who it was. So there wasn't enough evidence for us to, to declare and it either the, way. But the they, Epstein they, he, they thing is that he's lying about their reaction to it. The Epstein thing to me was so disturbing. Like I only found out about that recently, but he's on record defending someone who was convicted for... Soliciting underage sex workers. Yep. It's it's disgusting. And then his wife was like, I don't know. Did you see this whole thing with his wife's Twitter account? Oh, yeah, she said, she said we don't get to vilify people because we think their lifestyle is icky. Yeah. Well, raping children isn't icky. It's not a lifestyle. And it's not a fucking lifestyle. Yeah. yeah, and it was so fucking stupid too. It, that was that one was so insulting. As a scientist, I've this is his quote. He quoted. This, this guy, this guy, the genius physicist of the ages, is quoted as saying, as a scientist, I've only ever seen, I have it here, I always judge things on empirical evidence, and I and he always has women ages 19 to 23 around him, <laughs> but I've never seen anything else. So as a scientist, my presumption is that whatever problems uh, were there, I would believe him over other people. Jesus. So ridiculous. Oh my God. It's his own words. That's what's so frustrating about this. There's no room. You don't need more time, guys. You don't, we don't, it's all there. You didn't need more time. You needed, uh, I'll give you an hour, you know, like you you want to read it four times, you know, and really just do the math of how many different people needed to be lying and making this up. Sorry, you didn't really need more time for that. No, yeah. I think you were right on the mark, Thomas, that the, the, the time is to see which way the wind blows and yeah. how how little can they get away with saying without burning any bridges? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of, um, they need to whine a little bit less about how mean people are and how unfair people are and demonstrate that these accusations aren't true. You know, show that you really care about women show that atheism doesn't have a, a women problem. Right. It'd be so easy to just like prove it wrong. Right. Like turn around and say, you know what? No, we, uh, you know, this stops here, but no, instead it's, Oh my God, they're coming after us. And they're very, very mean. And, and has everybody, have we gone and made sure that all these men are given every charity you know, have we asked if there was maybe something else going through their minds? Maybe they were str- like, it's it's just ridiculous. Right. When, when and when it start. comes from like Glenn Greenwald, say accusations of anti-Muslim bigotry, we can like dismiss those as being misrepresentations, whatever. But now in 2017, 2018, the closer that uh, people in the atheist scene get with figures like Dave Rubin, who has people like Lauren Southern to talk about the subtle differences between white nationalism and white (laughs) supremacy, or, you know, Lauren who goes and shoots flares at migrant rescue boats, possibly causing, um, you know, loss of life. She didn't, but it was a possibility. These are, these are like some seriously bigoted people yeah, then, there's no guilt by association there, but if an article quotes Phil Torres, sorry, I can't listen to it. Or Linda Sarsour, right? So the, yeah. like, these are double standards. You, We have to look closer to home as well. You can't just keep blaming the left for its shady associations while associating with people who appear on Breitbart while saying that, you know, you don't know if uh, Milo can be all that right wing if or all that alt-right if he's gay and flamboyant and of Jewish background or... Um, but also, we don't judge on those characteristics, unlike the left, you know, but... <laughs> You know, and until we do. <laughs> or, you know, um, if you, if you want to have Charles Murray on your show, I think that it would only be right to show some criticisms of him, where there are so many legitimate ones, I think. The fact that his uh, research sources were tainted 
by white supremacist think tank money. And David Pakman did a great deep dive clip on this. Mm-hmm. I don't think that if you have Charles Murray on and you're just complimenting him, that that, that that's. Well, he even went further than that. Yeah. He was like, these are just the facts, you know, or so, something like that. Something yeah. to that oh, effect. Yeah, it was, it was that. That was the most unequivocal I had ever heard Sam, ever. <laughs> he was very explicit, and he said, these findings are not in dispute. These sci- your, the science has never been impugned except by people with a PC agenda. And these, these are the facts about intelligence and IQ, and they are absolutely not in any scientific dispute. Which is... Um, and this Which is, is not, not true. You it's can true. oppose Charles Murray's talks being, you know, interrupted by protesters, and you can also not champion him, or you can also present criticisms of him fairly so that people can look at both sides, unless you really do think that there are no criticisms. And then people are going to be like, yeah, that's a, uh, he's a shady guy because he has associations with some terrible think tanks and stuff. I'm waiting for Sam to have one Black Lives Matter representative or uh, someone who espouses those views on his show. One. Just one. One time before saying it's a obviously a detriment to society, Black Lives Matter. Like I, It's just so... It's such a blind spot. It's really sad. There's an arrogance here, too, um, that I often get this this feeling of being patronized by these guys. Like, you know, they're going to tell me that I'm too much, I, I'm invested in my victimhood, you know, and it's like, or, or something like that. But conservative you know? victimhood not, is unmatched. There's no one talking about that. It's and it so is, ridiculous. Yeah. Honestly, they think that, you know, being a conservative in Hollywood is like being a Jew in Nazi Germany. So that, to go you? back to that <laughs> Phil Torres point, now I don't really... Agree that Phil has Phil is some sinister character. I, let me just find what Sam was saying exactly about him. Yeah, so Sam says, Phil Torres, for instance, has made it his full-time job to defame prominent atheists. Now, I think that I, I, I haven't seen Phil say anything that is completely outrageously unfair. I've seen him try to get in touch with Peter Bogosian recently where Peter threatened to call the cops on him if he I think P, um, Phil said that he wanted to come and sit in on Peter Bogosian's class and Phil said I have emailed this to campus police and yeah. something ridiculous like that yeah, yeah you'll be escorted out if anyone sees you and and from what yeah. I saw of the exchange, there was nothing hostile. There was just, I will be sitting in the front row. I'm going to come and sit in in your class. I'll be in town. And that's it. I mean, I, I've never seen Phil be anything but polite to anybody. And Sam being so concerned about, you know, he's always accusing people of defaming him. Even mm. when people quote his own words to him, he says, that's a defamatory lie. Well, no, it's not a defamatory lie. That's what you actually said. You just don't like the context it was placed in. Um, But uh, it seems to me an accusation to, you know, somebody like Phil that he's he's made his full-time job defaming prominent atheists. Well, isn't that defaming Phil? (laughs) Well, he's certainly written critical articles, but I think there is criticism to be made. Giving your giving giving an opinion that is critical of somebody is not defaming. Defaming somebody is like libel or slander. Yeah, that's defamatory. Is when you're telling outright falsehoods to try to undermine somebody's career or something. Where's the evidence that Phil has done anything like that? And for that matter. Where's the evidence for anything that that Sam even said in any of that email or in his remarks in Phoenix? He's always going on about how women are conflating sexual harassment and rape, and they're not making any effort to distinguish the two. Can you back that claim up? Where are these armies of women who say that Aziz Ansari and Harvey Weinstein both belong in prison or that sexual yeah. harassment and rape are the same thing? Where's your evidence for that? Where's well, your evidence that, that Phil is defaming people because he dares 
to criticize them. Where's your evidence for that? Where's your evidence that the claims in the BuzzFeed article were spurious? I mean, here we are, you know, he's supposed to be the godfather of skepticism, and yet where's the evidence for all of these accusations he's throwing around? I don't see any. And then there was a, like a full-on hate campaign launched against Phil by um, a lot of anti-SJW atheists, like one of the penis hoax writers, um, which was an amazing, amazing thing in itself. But um, yeah, they're calling him what, like a like a sick. Uh, I think they called him a psycho and a stalker and yeah, a psycho stalker, a sicko. Um, it's funny how they didn't. Funny how they didn't. Um, they weren't worried about due process for Phil the way they were worried about due process for Lawrence Krauss. And listen, and I I was talking about this with with Seth. Not that he. Um, would ever deign to respond to me. But I, I, what I was saying is like, you're going to get more of this raw emotion. Cause this is like, it, it's like a car that's been making noises at you. Well, people are fed up right? and driving funny and you're not listening and you're just going to keep going and blame the car. Like, no, you've got a, you have a problem here. And at this point it's a, there might've been a time when maybe they could have just, you know, done a few things and put a few things in place and everything would have been okay. Right now, you've got a serious systemic issue and it isn't going away. Yeah. And, and you have, you know, you have got to address it or people are going to continue to get hurt. Right. And it's not all right. It's, you know, I mean, we're in a position now where anti-Muslim Crimes are are on the rise Mm -hmm. where white nationalist crimes are on the rise. And instead of addressing those issues or providing at least, at the very least, a place where atheists who happen to be women or ex-Muslims or whatnot could could have some sense of safety, like from, from violence, from harassment. I'm not talking from ideas or opinions. At the very least, they could do that much. Well, let me just list some of the things that... Okay, so there's Peter Bogosian, who wrote Stefan Molyneux's foreword for his book and bragged about it. Stefan is a far-right, well-known, well-documented misogynist and a cult leader. And there is no denouncing. There is no... In fact, there was pride in bragging. Then Boghossian also tweeted something about putting a moratorium on the term Nazi unless you're using it for, you know, people from Nazi Germany. And I quote tweeted him above a an article where there was two Sig Heiling swastika-waving shooters. And he mm-hmm. jumped into the thread and he was like, these are not Nazis. And it's it's ridiculous. Who are these people that the atheist movement is embracing and associating with and propping up. Then there's Richard Dawkins, who used to promote people like Jihadist Joe. I mean, he's off the scene now, but he was a real, real bigot. And many atheist bloggers, small time, have written about it, but there's no denouncing there. Then there's uh, Peterson, who's doing an event with Sam, who had this interview with Vice, where he was talking about how women who wear red lipstick... What, what did he say? Women... Um, if women who wear red lipsticks, it's sexual signaling. It's supposed to, um, mimic orgasms, I guess. Uh, so that's when they get around lipstick. And so they're hypocrites. uh, If they wear makeup and high heels to work and expect not to get harassed again, there's no denouncing. There's only, there's no disavowing. There's only calls for people to disavow Linda Sarsour, but there's only associating with, Jordan Peterson, and it's it's bad. It's bad. It's so bad. Then there's Dave mm. Rubin, who's like a like who's like one degree of separation from every alt right figure. It's disgusting. And in the meantime, people are you know people on the left are trying to get on a show. They can't get on. Many many people have offered, but Rubin will not have people who will challenge him on. So I mean. There's this um, Jeffrey Miller professor who also, I think, had an event with Sam recently. He was recommending a book by white supremacist 
misogynist Vox Day, who was also an Anders Breivik supporter, and someone oh pointed God, out Vox to him. Vox Day, really? Yeah, it's an it's an anti SJW. Yeah, he's awful. He thinks marital rape isn't a thing. Um, these are just like these are people that are no better than Islamists with with views that are no better than Islamists. If you, I mean, I know Islamist MRA type figures have been sharing Vox Day's misogynistic articles because they're like, yeah, you know, of course, you know, consent is implied after marriage, so marital rape is not a thing. Now, Jeffrey Miller's recommending the same fucking books. It's, it's what's happening. It's just endless. You know, I, I said this on my rant last week. And, you know, I when I started becoming active in this movement, it was because, you know, I saw religion as the source of all these terrible things in the world and... I wanted to be active in destroying institutional religion so that the world would be better, so that people would embrace an evidence-based worldview and stop treating each other crappy for bad reasons and stop, you know, oppressing people and throwing them off of rooftops and denying them civil rights because of who they love or what gender they identify as. And, you know, I like I thought that this is the pathway to making the world a better place for everybody. It was really about it was about humanism. Mm -hmm. It was about, you know, it was about improving the world so that everybody leads a happier life. And I'm hard pressed to see how we could be any farther from that with the state of the way the movement is mm -hmm. right now. There is absolutely no patience or tolerance for any kind of humanist ethic at all mm -hmm. it's all you know white supremacy and misogyny and anti-muslim bigotry and hypocrisy i mean the hypocrisy is mm. so appalling and overwhelming and the double standards are just rampant there's this not about skepticism and it's not about evidence and it's not about improving life for anybody except for the people who already have power. It's, that's been one of the biggest heartbreaks. It has for been me, so heartbreaking. Is that I associated myself with this movement because I thought this was the path towards a better future for everybody. But it's really, they just want to replace, they, they just want to, they, they don't want to kill the values of religion. They just want to yeah. take God out of it. They just want to take the superstition out of it, but, but the they still want structure. to, right. They want to maintain the power structure of the church or the mosque or whatever. They, they want to keep that and they don't want to share it. They just, they just don't want it to be about God because I, they don't want to see themselves as serving anybody else. They want to be at the top of that hierarchy they don't want a god on top of the hierarchy. They're at the top of the hierarchy. And now it's women and Muslims and uh, trans people and immigrants. They're the ones at the bottom of the hierarchy. Yeah, I feel like with humanism should come an automatic sort of, I mean, that's what it means to me, a desire to stand up for people in the most vulnerable groups where you are. But that's not what you see. You see a lot of lip service and a lot of, yes, I'm a humanist, but I see a lot of anti-immigrant humanists, anti-feminist humanists. It's very, very strange and very, very depressing. It's not like I wanted this realization. It's not like I, I have always wanted to be on the side of these, you know, people that I consider to be atheist heroes. I did not want to see it for a long time. Mm. So it's hard. And, and I think, uh, you know, we're in positions where we have to see it because this is it's us that they're coming after, you know, if we step out of line. Yeah. Um, Believe me, and, as an ex-Muslim that steps out of line, I know that all too well. You know, and it's just it's pretty disgusting. I don't know. A part of it is because I guess when anyone talks about morality or doing the right thing, then they'll turn around and, and start saying, well, you sound like a religious person. And it's like, well, yes, religious people have morality. 
but so do atheists. Wasn't that something we we knew was supposed to happen? Like there was going to be, like the, I, I didn't understand that the idea was we were going to get rid of Christian morality and replace it with nothing. Which is exactly the argument that Christians have been making against atheists since time immemorial. Right. I mean, they, they, I mean, these people are literally making the Christians' arguments for them when and they Luther, say, "Well, if you if you if you don't worship God, you you don't have any morality." And these people are like, "Yeah, fuck morality. I want mine." <laughs> it's like they're they are the living embodiment of everything that the conservative Christians said people would become. If they became atheists. Well, and also the Islam critics. They also, people used to say that they were just right-wing mouthpieces. And that's how they would try to discredit criticism of Islam. They were just teaming up with anyone who had a right-wing agenda. And now people are actually doing that. Mm -hmm. It's, they're being everything that, you know, C.J. Worldman or Nathan Lean would want them to be. Yeah. By associating with these, you know... Breitbart and rebel media types. This is not a good look. And as as somebody, I, I heard somebody else make this point. I'm trying to remember who it was, and I apologize that I can't remember off the top of my head. But it was something along the lines of, you know, because the left got Islam wrong, it was you know went a little bit overboard in defending the religion instead of the people, mm -hmm. and because Western feminists got you know, were wrong about hijab, then everything associated with the left has gone in the bin. Yeah, it's so strange. Why would you do that? And not to mention that I think a lot of people on the left have evolved on those issues over the last couple of years. You know, cool. it's like, but, but who bothers to talk about those people to say what they've learned or how they've changed? Because they've already made up their minds that if you're on the left, you're pro-hijab and pro-Islam, and they wouldn't even bother trying to find out what your opinions are on that. Well, with me, it was always more about nuance on those opinions. Like, you know, um, for one thing, I, I always felt like there was a weird sense of fetishizing the hijab. Like the head covering itself was the problem instead of the misogyny that was sort of behind it. Right. Like, yeah, so okay. any visual representation of the hijab and people are like, ah, you know, so angry without understanding whether this is glorifying it or if it's just someone walking down the street in an ad. Yeah, it, it was always about, um, you know, you'd have Prager you come out and say, well, how come Amy Schumer hasn't gone over and, and told the Muslims what to do? Like, that would help. That that would be the way to go, because they'll listen. You know, like, there are multiple feminist organizations that work specifically. They work in the Middle East, right. and they, they work sort of supportively, because it isn't, you know, white women aren't just going to come in there and say, okay, we're taking over, everybody do what we say, and yeah. that's going to work. And it's what not, is this, that if you're not in a situation as bad as Sharia law, then you're not allowed to complain. Nobody uses that argument for free speech. I mean, these, you know, conservatives getting interrupted on campus are not having it as bad as Sharia law and getting imprisoned or flogged for their terrible ideas. But, I mean, nobody's using that argument to try and silence them. Well, you should be thankful that you didn't get stoned or flogged for it. No, but this is what they use on feminists all the time. Like, this is a real feminist. And they'll have, like, a picture of a woman defying some law in Saudi Arabia. Well, what does that imply? It implies that people in the West are not real feminists? What are you trying to say? I mean, I have had a foot in both worlds. So I have lived that life, and I am also a Western feminist. So it really pisses me off when people try to pit both aspects of my life against each other. Mm. But and women don't generally, I mean, even, you know, the, the Saudi women that you spoke to who said, yeah, we don't like that. Don't use us as pawns yeah. for your agenda. And we want to see, you know, we're happy for the the strides that women make for their rights everywhere, mm -hmm. even if it's not here. And it's the same with Me Too. Women mm -hmm. within Me Too, you don't see, you know, women who were rape victims telling a woman who quit her job because 
the company wouldn't investigate her claim of sexual harassment. You don't see the rape victims saying, you know what, you're, you telling your story really diminishes my story, and you yeah. really shouldn't say that. Except they for there's, don't. there's a couple they, of lovely, you know, atheist, skeptical women who, uh, who started using the hashtag me neither. Because, yeah, that's well, real helpful. Talking right, about how you did not get assaulted. That's very, very helpful in horrible, this conversation. These horrible troll women who, for some reason, are... Well, I won't get into what I think their motivations are in this um, conversation. But generally speaking, the women who are sharing Me Too stories are supporting each other yeah, and right. saying, don't, you know, don't pit even women who have suffered, you know, objectively speaking, have probably suffered a lot more are saying, don't use my experience against other women. Yeah, We all have a story to tell and we all deserve to tell it and we all deserve to be listened to and respected and Mm. and they are supportive of each other it's these outside influences that want to pit us against each other or or you know that that it's a contest that if you haven't suffered enough if all you did was dabble in oppression then don't you dare talk about whatever your experience might be right during this whole Me Too movement, I have received, like, you know, so many messages from atheist guys that are, like, appalled with the with the responses from the thought leaders in the movement. And a lot of times they're like, you know, I was assaulted. I was, you know, I've been yeah. through this, so I can, I can empathize. And it's so sad, like... They can't like they feel hesitant to speak up publicly about it because they feel like it's a hostile environment. People are saying that they are supportive of Me Too, but they're also at the same time undermining it or not understanding the the, the broadness of it. So you that's know, sometimes depressing. people can. It's possible to just shut up. Like it, it's. I'm not saying people have to, but you know sometimes you're not the person who needs to make a statement about something, you know? And so you can just not make that statement. You don't have to weigh in on everything if you're not like, and I'm sorry, but these statements, they make it worse. They just keep piling it on. And it's, it is hurtful. It's painful. It's enraging. Yeah, and and you can't tell them that, of course, because then you're a shrill and shrieking person. Mm. And it's like, you know what? <laughs> There's no wonder that people are leaving, and they are, and they should. You know, I don't know why I keep sticking around. To be honest, other Same, than I feel like sometimes that I, it's just not worth it. It's not worth all the effort to. Um, put a podcast out and put my voice out there when I'm not in step or on the same page with so many, with majority of vocal atheists or vocal ex-Muslims who are like, you know, yay, Christina Summers. These are not my views. So, Mm. well, I I mean, I feel like I, I want something to be there for people who leave religion because it's still a huge force in the world. However... Why does the movement have to be tainted with all this right-wing stuff? That's what I wish. I would have expected yeah. the opposite, right? Like, you leave religion, you're not no longer traditional or conservative, but it, it seems not to be well, going I, in that direction. I think that's a really important point that really I haven't seen anybody address, is that especially for women leaving religion, and especially if they're leaving fundamentalist religion, whether Mm -hmm. it's Christianity or Islam, for women who leave fundamentalist religion, what do they have? There there isn't an organization or a movement or there's not really a community for them to go to where they can recover from that trauma— that is a safe and welcoming place for women. Everything is dominated by this toxic, anti-feminist, anti-SJW ethos. So where do these women have to go? I I know women who are still recovering from having left fundamentalist religion, and they feel like the atheist movement has completely re-traumatized them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So it's it's like a double whammy. They like the misogyny and you know the the silencing the voices of women and putting women in their place and the sexual harassment and don't you dare question the authorities. This is this is like the church that I left. So I left yeah. the church, and now I'm leaving the atheist movement. So now where do I go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these women, you know, it's 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 a problem, and it's it's such a it's a terrible thing for these people to have to face to have no community and no support. Yeah, yeah. Unless you join the anti-feminist and anti-immigrant stuff, like I mean, there's Raif Badawi, the Saudi blogger. His wife has been, you know being friendly with um, Infowars and Tommy Robinson and, oh, my God, this imam of peace that, you know, a lot of prominent skeptics have praised and had on their shows. He's mm. he's ridiculous. He was interviewing with Brittany Pettibone, who's in who's an open oh my God. white nationalist. He went on her show to talk about how all Muslims believe in violent Sharia and he was talking with Tommy Robinson, and people cannot see through him. It's absurd how ideologically blinded by, you know, dislike for Muslims you have to be to not see through his sham. He's allying with white nationalists. Mm. So, yeah. Any closing thoughts? I think you've you very well outlined a lot of the major problems. I, I think the root... Is, is demographics. I think the root is demographics that drive blind spots that then coalesce into all these alliances with with groups that you wouldn't think atheists would be aligning with. And it's really frustrating. But I just want to thank you guys for uh, for the, the conversation. It's been fascinating to listen to and, and participate in. And uh, thanks, Ina, for the invite. And I, uh, I think we need to do better than particularly Matt and Sam did on these issues. I think that it's the least we can do is, uh, you know, they they both said, I think, and, and Matt did emphasize, oh, I want to create an environment in which women feel comfortable coming forward. Well, if you really do want to do that, this wasn't the way to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, questioning, saying women don't know the differences between these different things, saying the article didn't delineate it when it, it did, by the way, it said a wide range of charges and, mm-hmm. and there's no, uh, we get it, we can do that math. Those aren't things that encourage people to come out. Lashing out, uh, as Matt did, because he got texted a couple times. Uh, it's it just that shows where the sympathies of the major figures in the movement are. And uh, it, it doesn't create an environment that, that makes people feel comfortable coming out with, uh, with these things. So thanks for the conversation and everything. I really appreciate it. And I hope that I don't know what to say. I don't. I don't have any optimism. So, I, if you're, if any of you were looking to me for optimism, sorry, I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for coming on, Thomas. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. You are yeah, one of I've... the few atheist podcasts that I still listen to. <laughs> I'd also like to just say, Thomas, you're one of the few um, men in the atheist movement who I've encountered. Um, with any kind of platform, who's really actually in good faith open to disagreement and discussion and feedback. And, you know, you, you're you open to feedback and you'll listen and you'll take Cuck. it in and you'll, 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 right? You'll, mm-hmm. you know, you'll, you'll, you'll take it or, or you'll reject it, but you'll listen in good faith if somebody is sharing it in good faith. And that is really rare in this movement. Um, you know, most Mostly what we see, if anybody gets challenged, is just doubling down. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, I appreciate that a lot about you and your show. Thank you so much. I really uh, will try to try to continue living up to that, but I, I really appreciate that. And I love everybody here. Um, <laughs> uh, Godless Mama, I, just, I only just encountered you very recently. You have great points. And I've been listening to Ina for a while. I got to you through ContraPoints and have been just really enjoying you. And Thomas, I agree with the thing, the nice things that people have already said. So um, thanks to everybody. I know that this was not a happy conversation. And I'm having another one like on Thursday with Malmro's Projects where we go through the MythCon lineup to talk about how to create a, a hostile environment for women. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so 
that will be fun again, but there it is. But thanks. Well, I I just, you know, kind of a love fest here, but it's folks like you guys that keep me going. You know, it would be so easy to just say, you know, fuck it. This is just not worth it. It's not worth the headache and the frustration and the energy. Um, But then, you know, there's voices like yours, you know, all of you and, and, you know, some other people, too many to name. But I can't extinguish that little spark of optimism that totally goes against my nature but I, I you know it's folks like you that keep that going well I'm glad there's like you know six of us out there but <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully this can one day uh, well or at least we can splinter off into a more feminist left-leaning movement that also is able to criticize Islam and it doesn't have to be picking sides between will we criticize Islam or will we be left leaning you know that's what really gets to me so yeah thank you all for coming on and talking this was a a pretty depressing topic but I think it needs to be addressed as much as I was kind of dreading it and not wanting to talk about these difficult and painful things I'm glad that we did it because maybe us putting it out there will, you know, tell people that they're not alone and that if they have something to speak out about, there are some people that will listen, even though there are people who technically say the right stuff. A lot of people say the right stuff, but actions show otherwise. Mm. When people are, you know, openly supporting people that are bringing the alt-right and alt-light in. But yeah, it's been nice chatting, you guys. And, uh, All right, with that, I will say goodbye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Polite Conversations. You can support this podcast by sharing the shit out of it, making some noise about it, or contributing via Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No Ian mangoes. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at nice mangoes. If you want to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly Patreon one, you can do so via PayPal, nicemangoes.blog at gmail.com. Remember, no E in mangoes. If you've got an interesting story and would potentially like to be a guest, you can email me there too. A special thanks to Dylan Beck for theme music, sound, and production help. Music